the way I think about it is like when you're a kid and you say when you're in distress you say mommy like I want my mommy but I didn't have a mommy so I was just like okay I'm gonna do it because mommy's not here and mommy told me that whenever you're in distress you just stay put and you just take it on and be strong and keep going until you see your mom but my I, I was a kid I didn't fully grasp the aspect that my mom wasn't coming back like I still looked for her everywhere Welcome to I Swear on My Mother's Grave. My name is Dana Black, and in 2016, I lost my mom. And now I'm talking to other people who have also lost their moms. And I don't just mean in death, because there are so many ways you can lose a mother. And we're going to get into it. So let's talk about our moms. When I started this podcast a few months ago in my closet next to my Spanx and my mom's jewelry, I never thought that one day I'd be talking to a 16-year-old girl who I'd never met over Zoom about our moms and addiction and about whether or not either one of us wants children and talking about my relationship with my boyfriend and just life in general. I never thought that would happen and I never thought it would be so healing and helpful and fun and rewarding. I talked to this guest at the end of last year and I loved every minute of it. I was introduced to her through a friend named Sarah here in Chicago who met her through a performing arts organization called Hearts to Art. And Hearts to Art helps seven to 14 year old children who have lost a parent deal with their grief through music and art and writing and theater. And this guest, applied during her eighth grade year. She was 13 years old. A bunch of teachers said, you should really apply. You're a great writer. You should go. And she went and it changed her life and she loves it. And she's now a junior counselor with this camp. When I logged onto the call with her, I noticed right away that she had a sweet, quiet voice, uh, beautiful blue purple dyed hair. And when I asked her if her microphone was all set, she said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all set up. It's over here next to my computer on a stack of Harry Potter books. I'm good. Yeah, she's awesome. I wanted to start this conversation with my guest talking about the feeling of when she first walked into that camp and she looked around the room at the other kids there who had experienced a similar loss. And for the first time, she felt seen and understood in a way that she hadn't before. She was home. This is Daisy Salto. There's something different about being 13 <laughs> and walking into a room of um, kids and being like, oh my god, this is the first time I've ever walked into a room of people where I don't have to translate mm. and I don't have to overshare for them to understand what I've gone through. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And what did that feel like? It was like a wave of relief, I think I remember. Because I remember being nervous initially about like going in because I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. But there's like an unspoken trust 
that was already there that I have no words to explain. Um, and even though I didn't know anybody, even though I was like fully stranger, I walked in and I was already comfortable. It was just in the air, um, like a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And I had these two girls come up to me and their names are Madison and Octavia. And they were just like, hi, we see that you're new here because they had been there for several years already. And they were like, what's up? Do you want to be friends? And I was like, mm. oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <laughs> so obviously you're, I mean, like, they call it the worst club in the world, right, when you lose a parent. Mm-hmm. But they call it, sometimes you learn that later in life, mm-hmm. as I did. I learned, lost my mom at 37. Mm-hmm. But you lost yours so young. So then to be part of that club so young Tell us, like, because you just said they got it. I didn't have to explain it. I didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to sh- overshare. So then how does it feel when you're younger? I was eight years old, like Sarah said. Um, so obviously I was the, like, token orphan in my school. Mm. And um, at first, I mean, I didn't have a club. Like, obviously I knew that there were people out there who had lost their parents the same way I did. Or mm-hmm. very similarly. Um, but I was eight years old. <laughs> I was um, I was alone. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I do have my siblings who were also there with me going through it. Were they older than you or younger yeah. than you? Yeah. They had already, like, gotten past, like, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take away from their experience or anything, but I was just younger Like, I still, like, held my mom's hand when I walked across the street, and I still needed that sense of security. Um, So at first, I didn't have a club. (laughs) I didn't have anyone to go to. So it was really lonely those first couple years. Was your mom a single parent? or? Technically, yes. My dad wasn't really around when I was a kid. Um... So when she died, my brother just kind of took over. Um, How old was he? 23. Wow. 23. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he's like all of a sudden running the family. Yeah, because I have five. There's five of us in total. So he just kind of picked wow. us up. And how did uh, people talk about her after well, she passed? Um, my mom was sick, and by sick, I mean she was an alcoholic, so her whole life, people had talked down on her, mm-hmm. and the way that, like, people talked down on addicts, mm-hmm. and I remember after she died, and people were gossiping in my school, and people were saying horrible things, and once people had, like, put two and two together, they'd been, like... Like, she had it coming. Or, like, like kids are mean. People mm-hmm. are mean. Mm-hmm. They'd been, like, if she didn't Adults want Adults can be mean, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, that can be, they can say shameful things about someone who's sick, you know? Yeah. But kids, yeah, kids have no filter, right? They have no... No, no idea what they're saying. Um, and maybe some of those kids were dealing with it themselves, right? Yeah. That they have addiction in their family, but they don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so they're... Uh, lashing out I don't know what do you yeah it's because I I've heard everything in the book 
I've heard everything. I mean, against me, against my mom, against my dad. Um, like kids used to sing, uh, the sun will come out tomorrow to me because they thought they would call me like Orphan Annie. Uh, um, but about my mom, like people are ruthless. <laughs> and um, I remember like, I would get into arguments and if I was winning, they'd be like, well, your mom deserved to die to like end the argument. Cause like, what am I supposed to say after that? <laughs> like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you know what they were saying? Did you understand? Do you know what I mean? Like, did you yeah. know when yeah. you're eight, you can't know enough about addiction. My mom was a functioning I... alcoholic and an opioid mm-hmm. addict. And mm-hmm. so we can, get to her, st- I mean, we could, I'll absolutely share whatever you want me to share, but mm-hmm. I'm saying I didn't really understand what alcoholism was until I was like in my thirties, you know? Yeah. So I'm saying, <laughs> how did, did you even know what they were saying to you? Did you understand? Well, I was a kid. So in the like connotation I did, right? but like in the actual definition, I just, knew she was sick and I knew she was hurting and Hmm. she had habits that I was familiar with um but like what were those habits like um hiding soda in her room and me thinking it was just soda Mm -hmm. And, like, being like, Mom, why can't I drink the soda in the closet? (laughs) And her being like, because I need it later. And I'd be like, for what? (laughs) Um, Or, like, I don't know. Like, never being, I've never seen my mom go to sleep. Or I've never seen my mom sleep. Or, like, just the smell, the eyes, you just know it after a while and as a kid I just got familiar with it I just when you're a kid you look at things and you're like is today going to be a good day or a bad day Mm. and that's kind of the way I did but when people were talking to me about it I was just kind of like like no that's that was just my mom like as a kid like I just thought that was a part of her personality so I remember when I learned about alcoholism and I learned about what addiction was and Mm -hmm. I connected all the dots um a couple years later and I was like oh oh (laughs) did you watch her lash out at people around you or uh, apologize and, and say it'll never happen again, right? All these tropes of of addicts. My mom did a lot of like bargaining or mm-hmm. she was real private. She was real private mm-hmm. about things. Same with drinks in her room. It'd be like, is there wa- is this water? She's like, it's just water. Yeah. And it tasted like wine or yeah. vodka, no, right? Yeah, um, no. I'm sorry. I just blanked. <laughs> but um, can you repeat the question? I just blanked thinking about it. <laughs> Did your mom like lash out and manipulate all those things you said when you when you look back and you go, oh, yeah, that's a sign. Yeah, I remember the periods of depression and then like the small moments of coming out of them and then like the anger, Hmm. the irritation of like withdrawals 
Um, like, obviously, as a kid, I didn't know that she was withdrawing or not. Like, I didn't know that she wasn't actually mad at me. Yes. So I thought she was mad at me, and I thought she did hate me at sometimes, and I was just like, well, I don't know what I did. And then when I was older and I connected the dots and the lashing out and the everything else, I was just like, oh, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, like, positive memories of her when you were young? Do you look I back do. and yeah. – <laughs> And things you guys did together. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, in the mornings, when she would take me to school, um, we'd watch Curious George. And I can't for the life of me tell you why it was Curious George. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it, it was just on at 7 in the morning. And my mom would make us late, like, every day because she thought he was so funny. Like, my mom was not an English speaker. So she didn't mm. even understand what was going on. But because Curious George is like a kid show, she was like <laughs> watching the pictures and laughing so hard, like rolling on the floor, laughing at Curious George um, and being like, like that crazy monkey in Spanish. <laughs> and just, and, <laughs> and like, oh God. Every day without a doubt, I was almost missing my bus with my sister because we were watching Curious George. Do you feel by working at that camp, the hearts to arts, like, do you look at children differently who have lost a parent? Do you, do you have more sympathy for yourself thinking oh, about yeah. how maybe little you didn't know? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't even, man, because I remember being eight years old and thinking I was so much older than I was. Mm. And then I remember going to Hearts to Art and seeing those eight-year-old kids and being like, that was me. I was them. And realizing how small I was and like, like, oh my God. Like I never looked at it outside for myself. And I have a niece and nephew so I remember, like, deep anxiety um, until after they passed eight years old. Mm. Um, like they got through that hurdle. Like, mm -hmm. now they're past. That's like a mile marker for you. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just this, like, wash of, like, oh, my mm. God, like, they made it. <laughs> like, obviously, they didn't make it, but they made it. <laughs> it's so interesting because a lot of people who are, let's say, older or my age, will mm -hmm. say I'm about to turn the age my mother was when she died, mm -hmm. 41, 52, yeah. whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's their trigger. Or oh, yeah. I'm about to be the age my mom was when she had me, right, mm -hmm. in her yeah. 20s. So these interesting mile markers that happen, and yours mm -hmm. was way too early, <laughs> but that's your mile marker. Yeah. So when you say you felt older, what do you, what do you mean by that? So you said, when I was eight, I thought I was so much bigger. And then I look back and I go, no, I was so small. That's probably because of like the adultification that comes with addiction. Mm. Like even if it wasn't on purpose, like I just, 
thought like I was older and I I mean I didn't have my dad around and when my mom was there she wasn't really there mm-hmm. so I just like trauma ages you <laughs> trauma develops you in so many ways so much faster so when I was a kid and my I didn't have either of my parents I just couldn't relate to the kids at my time <laughs> or mm-hmm. even now I still have trouble trying to relate to teenage problems and I'm just like I it's hard when <laughs> I was 12 years old and was already going through the meaning of life or whatever. <laughs> mm. I recently went through a breakup at the mm. beginning of 2020 in like February and I was Right before COVID? Yeah, right before COVID, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe that's a relief. I don't know. (laughs) You tell me. You know, I I don't even know. But um, when they broke up with me, they told me, and I quote, your baggage is too much for me. And I remember being like, what? Hmm. And going into COVID and having several months to think about that and like analyze what that meant Hmm. and what my trauma meant. Cause I was like, it's too much for you when you didn't go through it, when you didn't experience it. Wow. (sighs) And it's just, I was just like, wow. I mean, if kids are saying mean things to you when you're young or they're saying or you're always feeling kind of separate from children your age because you grew up so fast, but how did you deal with the bullying then or even now? If Who did you turn to? Who did you go to to say, they're calling my mom these horrible things? I didn't go to anyone, which is uh-huh. like the horrible truth of it. But like I didn't tell anybody because mm-hmm. I just, I was just like, um like it's not their problem and as I grow older and like remember this repressed bullying trauma of what people said to me and like make jokes about it and they're looking at me like that happened and I'm like oh yeah it did I'm sorry it's just when I was a kid I thought that it was my problem in itself to go through like I thought this was what every kid was going through so I was just like like be strong Hmm. like even though you knew no one was you felt alone and like mm -hmm. nobody was really going through exactly what you were going through but you were you thought children go through trauma alone yeah because it was normalized Hmm. like I thought that was that was what you were supposed to do and I remember hearing that you're supposed to get help when I was like 13 after the fact after I was over like that initial trauma, I was like, what? <laughs> mm. Like, actually? <laughs> really? <laughs> and I just laughed at it because I was like, that's so silly. <laughs> and I look back at it on it now and I'm like, no, you were silly and now you're hurt and you really self sabotage yourself when you were nine years old. <laughs> mm. But like, what was I supposed to do? Because I, didn't have a mom and my brain was just like the way I think about it is like when you're a kid and you say 
when you're in distress, you say, mommy, like I want my mommy. But I didn't have a mommy. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. Because mommy's not here. And mommy told me that whenever you're in distress, you just stay put and you just take it on and be strong and keep going until you see your mom. But my, I, I was a kid. I didn't fully grasp the aspect that my mom wasn't coming back. Hmm. Like I still looked for her everywhere. So I was just like, well, it's... Where did you look for her? What do you say that? What do you I mean? looked for her in... Well, I was a kid, so I wasn't allowed to go to the burial. So I didn't see her... Oh, wow. ...go Did your other ground. siblings go? Yeah. Oh, Because okay. they, they were all older. They were and older, right? Over 10 or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, I'm glad that I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't grasp the fact that she was fully dead until I first visited the cemetery and saw her grave. And I was like, oh, it was a lot of O's. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I looked for her um, after school when she would pick me up or I would go to her room and be like, like, good morning, expecting her to come out and... Every time she didn't, I would just be like, oh, she just didn't come home last night until Mm. I realized, like, oh, she's not coming home. Yeah. Do you have photos of her? I do. I have one in front of me that I'm looking at. (laughs) Oh, good. I have mine is here as well. We're sharing. Let's show our moms to each other. Yeah. So my mom. That's baby me. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God, your mom's beautiful. Thank yeah, you. This is yours. College. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, I love moms. Moms, right? I know, but right? Sometimes when I see photos of my mom, it's such a great relief, right? It feels so good. It feels so comforting. It's so warm, and you feel like you're hanging out with her. Yeah. And then sometimes I take an, I take pictures out that I haven't seen ever or in a long time, and mm-hmm. it feels like someone is slapping me across. The face. The face. <laughs> yeah. It's such a visceral betrayal when you realize you aren't hanging out with her. Yeah. And that you're just putting her back into a box. So but it's just a photo, but it's still so comforting to have them. Mm-hmm. But they give they take my breath away sometimes. So I just I don't know how you feel when you look back at photos of her and it always I don't know how many you have, I shouldn't assume. My mom no. loves scrapbooking, so my mom definitely like to take photos, um, but not of herself. So there aren't mm. many, but we of do you have guys, some. You mm-hmm. mean, of, yeah. And it changes every day. Like I feel like sometimes I look at them and I'm like, wow, so beautiful. Look at my mm. mom. And then sometimes I look at them and I'm like, what the heck, universe? I was eight years old. <laughs> Give her back. <laughs> mm. Mm. It changes. Yes. Do you get angry when you look at her? No, I don't think I could ever get angry. I I did when I was a kid because I was like, I was sad. I was sad. And it wasn't until like three years after where I could look at her photo and not be angry or not be upset because death is so 
final. And as a kid, a lot, like you're supposed to have everything open to you. And it just like ripped her, the, it rips you away from somebody that you thought you were supposed to be with forever, especially when you're a kid and you don't have that understanding. But now it's just like, that's my mom. My mom is dead and that is sad and it sucks and it blows and I will never be the same again, but I'm okay now. Because there was a period in my life where I was like, I'm, I'll never be the same. I'll never live the same life I ever did. I don't want to live the same life. Um, but here I am. Yeah. Living the life. <laughs> and she still loved you. You don't question the love. You don't question never. any of that. Yeah. Never. I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't. The mom and child aspect of it, the connection between a mom and a kid is still there, despite everything. Do you ever write to her? You were talking about saying mommy and wanting to talk to her, and I know you write. So I was curious if you ever write to her or talk to her that way. As a kid, I wrote endlessly. <laughs> like I wrote songs, I wrote poems, I wrote notes in on the napkin in the lunchroom cafeteria reaching like feeling like I was talking to the sky mm -hmm. and I still do sometimes I find myself on like sleepless nights because I have a lot of those <laughs> just talking out into air sometimes and sometimes it'll veer the direction towards my mom and I'm like yeah even if she can't hear me it's just nice. Yeah. Like, almost like therapy. I'm just like, okay, mom, today I, I, today I ate something, mom. Today I, today I painted. Today I didn't do my homework. <laughs> like, just talking into the air. Because otherwise, I think I would actually go insane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you go to counseling, too? Are you someone mm -hmm. who talks to someone or is able to? Or mm -hmm. I go to therapy. Um, because after Heart Start... It took a while. Does your brother still live in, like, does he still raise you? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah? Mm -hmm. Well, basically, my siblings raised me because, like, it takes a village. So my brother and my sibling have lived here in this house for eight years. So, yeah, this is the house my mom died in. How do you feel about, I, start, I started this podcast and I've, I've gotten a lot of people reaching out who are friends of mine or people I don't know very well who are like, this has been so amazing to listen to and it's made me miss my mom who's passed. Or they say, it makes me want to connect with my mom again and I miss her and I'm going to call her. Or I sent, it, I sent the podcast to my mom and I'm going to interview her, I think, soon because I have so many questions for her. She wants to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I get so much joy, of course, knowing that they are experiencing that through this podcast. And then I get really res resentful, mm -hmm. right? Of like, must be nice. You know, I get really frustrated that they get to have that experience with their mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mother's Day? How do you battle that? Mother's Day as a kid, I got a lot of teachers really having the audacity to be like, you have to do this Mother's Day project. And I'm like, my mom's dead. Like, What? I, I was, they would yeah. make you do it? 
Yeah. In honor of your mom? Yeah. But it was like... I'm upset. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> Daisy, I'm angry. <laughs> Sometimes wow. it was nice. Hmm. Like, I remember once in fourth grade, I right. made, like, a bouquet, and it was beautiful, and I left it at the grave. But, like, in fifth grade, when I was, like, angry, and my fifth grade teacher was like, you have to do this Mother's Day project, I was like... <sighs> Like, I really have the time today to tell you, like, no, I'm not going to do it. Wow. Like, please get away from me. <laughs> Daisy, that's so interesting because as an adult, as you go, as you get older, right, there's days that Mother's Days are very comforting and you want to mm-hmm. hear from friends and you want condolences. And then the next year or during COVID, all of us are like, don't reach don't out to me. Don't tell say me anything, anything to me. I don't want to deal with it today, right? Oh, my God. It's so, like, it's so heightened. Yeah. So I'm oh saying that is crazy. I cannot imagine that at fourth grade or fifth grade or sixth grade <sighs> being forced to do a project. And yet some years you really got a lot out of it, you know? It changes. It, like, yeah. Because healing isn't linear, right? So sometimes I do have like two long-lasting friends that every year they text me on the day my mom died, um, her birthday, yep. and like just sometimes to check in when I visit the grave. And they're always like, hey, I love you. I'm checking in on you because I want you to know that you're loved. And if you Mm. ever need motherly comfort, my mom loves you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But sometimes I'm just looking at it and I'm like, I never want to talk about this again. (laughs) It just happens. It's valid. It changes. And their intentions are beautiful, right? A lot of people talk about the intentions are great. Thank you, friend. And yet... Thank you. I just you don't need don't to say anything. Yeah, right. I just don't want to hear it today. Yeah, I know you're very young, so you don't have to answer this. But you seem wise beyond your years, my friend. <laughs> How do you think about children now and having your own children in your life without a mother? How do you? How do you think about it as a kid? And if you don't think about it, that's fine too. You're young, but I was just curious. Mm-hmm. You know the like internalized misogyny of like being a kid and the first thing people ask you like oh my god like have you ever thought about how many kids you're gonna have and you're like no (laughs) no (laughs) and then my mom died and I was like oh man I at first I was like I'm gonna be the best mother there ever was (laughs) like I'm gonna really put in the work but now I'm 16 and I'm not having kids (laughs) <laughs> You've got your own I, stuff to worry about. You're like I can barely think about having a plant. Like I can't take care of myself as it is. A child, a child, it would be the yeah. same result. Like I just know that for a fact. And like I can't have a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Care for like, another living being. Right. Is like, some of it fear of letting down another, like yeah, letting down honestly, a kid or having to to disappoint? Or not be there? Is any of the that? The funny thing is, because of my trauma with, like, parenting, mm-hmm. I feel like I would be a great parent. But, like, the actual act of raising one is very different. And, like, oh, my God, I'm never having kids. <laughs> Do you have kids? Are you thinking no, of having kids? No, and oh I don't. God, no. I'm 41. And I have a boyfriend of nine mm-hmm. years, 10 years. So we're probably, we're working on the marriage part of our life, like the conversation around commitment. Mm-hmm. But children is a no. Children's a no for me. Um, not that I always felt that way, 
And I had a really good childhood and I felt like I had a great, I had a great ride for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think I'm cut out for raising like just exactly what you said. I think I'd be a great parent. I mm-hmm. think I've got the skills to do it. I think I've got decent genes, right? That <laughs> I, like I'm scared to get married without my mother present. You want your mom there. You go to my mom's part of this journey, right? If, yeah. if I believe in marriage, right? If I really want to be married, mm-hmm. which I grapple with that as well, with monogamy for the rest of my life. But I like, how do I raise kids without her? And I don't, I want to focus on my life and me. And I'm just kind of, not selfish, but I I want to live the life I want to live. And I don't know if I can bring kids into this world. Yeah. I love this energy that we've created in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so misogynistic. It's so interesting that you said like, do you want to have kids like to a young child, how you were asked that way before you were 16? Like, how many babies do you want to have? It's like, it's from what? the womb. Stop really. that. Because <laughs> like, there's those like, you know what really weirds me out? There's like those shirts that say like, ladies man for like a three year old. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. Or like, what a looker. Like, <gasps> or what a flirt. That's, a, like, child. that's a baby. Like, <laughs> you know what really happened? <laughs> You know when you're in school and people are like, you're growing up, like they call you a young lady. Every time somebody mm-hmm. called me a young lady in school, I'd be like, no, I'm an underage minor. <laughs> like, I would ha- You would say, I love you. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Because that's true. That I'm an, under, yeah. I'm an underage minor. These are the facts. Well, I always like to end these calls asking my guest to tell me their mom's name and how you're feeling about her today in this moment, right here with me, what's coming up for you? My mom's name is Petra Salto Zarco. (laughs) She was 40 years old when she died. She had five kids and she was a wife. And right now, I miss her. And I will miss her 10 years from now. And I will miss her on my deathbed. But I mean, that's life, man. It's like, I will never be comfortable, comfortable. But like, right now, this normal. Okay, I'm here. She's here. We didn't keep it in this episode, but at the end of this conversation, Daisy told me that I have a good aura. And well, I felt really cool. I'm old, I gotta take what I can get. Daisy, you are so special and I am so grateful to have met you through Sarah. And I hope that someday soon I get to meet you in real time. Wouldn't that be fun? Like in the world, out in the world. Maybe we could hug, oh, that'd be awesome. If you wanted to see some pictures of Daisy and read some of her writings and learn more about Hearts to Art, the organization we talk about in this episode, you can go to our website, which is mothersgravepod.com, or come follow us at Instagram. We are at mothersgravepodcast, and you can find all the information you need about the amazing team who works on this podcast in our show notes. They are the best. If you don't think that word of mouth helps a small podcast, then let me tell you, I have got the story for you. I had a really good friend reach out to me and tell me that she was talking to her therapist in a state far away from my state. And 
she mentioned this podcast to her therapist and her therapist said, yeah, I've heard of that show. I mean, what? Is that fame? Like, is that what fame is? I I have no idea. It probably isn't, but super cool. And um, yay for therapy and yay for spreading the good word. So do all the things you're supposed to do for podcasts. Rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends, tell your mailman, and um, keep spreading that good word. You guys are awesome. I was recently reminded of the phrase, there's no good time to lose your mother. It's such a cliche, right? It sounds like it should be on a Canva slide in an Instagram story about grief. It probably is on a Instagram story about grief as we speak. But it's so true. There's no good time to lose your mother. I remember when I logged into this call with Daisy last year. I didn't know much about her. I didn't know much about her story. I didn't know much about her mom. And I was nervous, not just because I didn't know her, but I was nervous that I would pity her or feel a sense of guilt that, you know, I had my mom longer than she did, that I had it good, that how in the world will we be able to really connect or relate to one another? She's 16. I'm 41. I hesitated there because I actually forgot how old I was. See, it happens. And just because we're vastly different people with different experiences, different lives, different ages, we both lost our mom. I also remember the moment so viscerally when I learned about her mom's addiction. I had only really been alluded to that. I didn't really know much. And when she started talking about hiding drinks and the lashing out and the feeling of where did mommy go? Well, I immediately felt seen and understood and that I could connect to someone in a way that I hadn't been able to connect to to other people in my life, I, in that moment, was was looking at a peer, was looking at someone who got it, who understood. Obviously, I'm not a child, and losing your mom in childhood is a vastly different experience than losing your mom in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s or your 60s. Being ripped away from you in the early stages of your life is so unfair. And yet, Daisy never questions whether or not her mother loved her. She didn't even hesitate when I asked that question. She said, never, never. I couldn't. I could never question that. The bond between a mother and a child is is special. There's never a good time to lose your mother. But there is always time to remember that she loved you. And it doesn't have to happen only on Mother's Day. I'll talk to you guys next time.